Superhumanize. Accelerated evolution. I am just so, so excited to have a really, really special guest on Superhumanize today. Uh, not only because he is just one of the biggest experts I know concerning herbalism, uh, health and wellness in general, but because he's a dear friend of mine, Sage Dammers. It's wonderful to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I've really been looking forward to this. And for those people who don't know you yet, but should know you, you are the creator and the co-founder of Addictive Wellness, which is this amazing company that produces the best superfood chocolates on the whole planet and just amazing tasting elixirs. And you and Ana Blanca, your partner in the company, but also life partner, you have just massively, massively raised the bar in what it means to bring high integrity, cutting edge health and wellness products to the world. Ariana Summer and I have passionately dedicated the last 12 years of my life to creating the ultimate human experience mentally, physically and spiritually based on the most powerful ancient teachings and cutting edge modern discoveries and technologies. The Superhumanized podcast is a show committed to sharing what I have learned from the world's leading experts in order to help you achieve your full potential and create your best life ever. Thank you so much for that gracious introduction. It's really kind of you. The kindness is yours. I mean, I've witnessed over the years how you have uh, created this company, created these products. And I can, I know I'm not only speaking for myself here, but your products have become such an integrative part of my wellness journey. And I have leveled up in so many countless ways by your products, but also by your, what I like to call sage advice. And oh, I thanks. <laughs> I'm starting to use that since you've been encouraging me to. And, and not, not many people would know you were one of our early taste testers of quite a few of our products. So thank you for, for guiding us in the right direction with those and giving us such incredible support right from the beginning. No, I'm your forever and always taste tester. I wouldn't want to miss a single thing <laughs> that you're bringing to market. And it's been an absolute privilege to be minimally involved in this exciting process. You know, some people that might know your products, uh, I mean, you've been speaking, you've been on a lot of different podcasts and media outlets, you and Ana Blanca, both of you, mm -hmm. but those people who may only be acquainted with your wonderful products, I think it would be very interesting for them to hear what actually got you into tonic herbalism. This has been a lifelong passion for you, right? Absolutely. Um, well, well, I would say half, half lifelong um, for, for, the, for the current second half of my life has been mm -hmm. a passion. In the beginning, I had no idea. I didn't know this is out there as, you know, most people don't come into the, their childhood knowing about ancient herbal systems of indigenous cultures. And I was brought up in an, a beautiful household and mm -hmm. uh, parents are so amazing, so heart-centered. I'm spectacularly fortunate to have grown up in the way that I did. When I was growing up, my parents raised us as vegetarian, not healthy vegetarians by any means. It was kind of like four or five nights a week of basmati rice and tofu. And then at night of pasta and a night of pizza. And look, it could have been way worse. There was mm -hmm. no McDonald's. There was no fast food. Most of what we were eating was organic. 
but there was lots of carbs, lots of sugar. And so it, it left something to be desired. And I, I felt that I, I felt that, you know, even when I was in like middle school and high school, my, my energy wasn't great. I, I had real energy ups and downs and I wasn't performing athletically as I kind of internally sensed that I should be able to. I always had this idea, like there's gotta be something more. And when I was about six, 15, 16, my parents opened a wellness center. They started out having a few different treatment modalities there. They had these infrared jade massage beds that people would come in and use. What a way to they grow had, up. Like, That's yeah, the like they started, then they started having like infrared saunas and started selling some superfoods there from a local company. This really caught my interest because I knew I wanted to live a, an interesting and look, it sounds a bit grandiose to say, but extraordinary life. I wanted mm -hmm. my life to be epic. And so I kind of started listening to different things that people were saying. And I got to thinking like, if I could live maybe to 120 rather than 85 and extend my, my functional health to that age as well, you know, rather not being, you know, immobilized at 65 and just pushing around in a wheelchair for the next 60 years, but actually functional till 90 or hundred, and then kind of gently cruising into the, the next 20 years of that. Um, That's a pretty radical thought for a young kid. How old were you then? When yeah, I was like 15, 16. I thought, okay, if I can extend my health span as yes. it's popularly being mm -hmm. called these days, imagine what I could do in you know, surfing, which is my great passion or, or in any other athletic pursuit or in business or in travel, like all this stuff, I, I could live a bigger life basically. And that really was exciting to me. And so I started using a few different things. And then I met this local gentleman who, who came in to kind of sell my parents on, um, this protein mix that he was producing mm -hmm. and, and wholesaling. Um, it was basically hemp protein with some spirulina and chlorella and a couple other Western herbs, things like milk thistle in there. He was interesting guy to say the least. He was very healthy looking, very fit, very smart. Um, in incredible shape, especially for a vegan, you know, people have this mental image of vegans as, as you know, <laughs> withering not, away. Yeah. And, and there's nutritional reasons that that happens. Um, mm -hmm. if you don't, if you're not very careful about yeah. how you're going about it, um, you definitely want to embark upon veganism with knowledge rather Absolutely, than blindly because yes. mm -hmm. it can be dangerous, just like yes. any adventure embarked yes. on blindly. So this guy kind of caught my interest. And so I started, I, I said, I, I want a bit of what this guy's got. So uh, give me what he's having. So I started taking his protein mix, his hemp protein and blending it into a drink for myself every day. I didn't know what I was doing with it. Mm -hmm. I was just blending it with Tropicana orange juice and, <laughs> you know, some frozen blueberries and strawberries and a banana. And it tasted not the best is, you know, the taste was rough at the time, but I didn't care. I was like, I, I want the results. I will drink this. I, I have strong willpower in that way. Mm -hmm. I, after a few days, I started noticing I was having this incredible clarity. Wow. I feel amazing after drinking this. And I just really got to thinking like, this was out there all this time and I didn't know about it. What else have I been missing out on? So this kind of started me off down this rabbit hole of a journey of reading more about raw foods and superfoods and, and nutrition. And then a little bit later, like traditional herbal systems of indigenous mm -hmm. cultures. And the more I would learn, the more new stuff I would incorporate into my diet and supplementation and lifestyle and training modalities, the more I would do that, the better I would feel, the better I would feel, the more motivated I would be to go out and find more information <laughs> and learn more. And it started this really benevolent cycle that has just continued snowballing right up until this day. And, you know, along the way, there's been 
many fortunate meetings between myself and people who became teachers of mine, Mm -hmm. just been so lucky to be kind of, you know, in the right place at the right time to kind of be in the pathway of that knowledge and just soak it in wherever I could find it. Well, you're being, as always, extremely humble because it takes great dedication and also a lot of hard work to not only incorporate this knowledge in your brain, but you actually live it. And on top of that, you're with your knowledge, you're one of the most generous human beings I've ever met. I mean, no matter when and where, and I could throw whatever strange sounding herbs name at you, and you will literally be able to talk at least 10 <laughs> to 20 minutes about it, what it's for, what to watch out for, how it'll elevate your life. It's like, I wish I had a little pocket sage with me at all times. <laughs> it's like the walking. Maybe, maybe I'll have an app one day. <laughs> I think that's a really great when, when idea. They, when they have like an AI version of me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It'll be bizarre, but we'll just go with the flow. <laughs> we love bizarre here. That's a good thing. But you are especially passionate nowadays. You, I know you just you, and you just mentioned it. You've studied a lot of the different indigenous herbal systems. Um, first of all, which ones did you start with, and then how did you end up focusing what you do now, um, especially on tonic herbs? The first herb that I really started with, um, in in seriousness, was macuna. Mm-hmm. Uh, Makuna, I came Love. across as I was like just starting in college. Yeah. And Makuna, for those who don't know, it's a pod that grows on mm-hmm. trees in the tropical regions of the world. It is the highest natural source of L-DOPA, precursor to dopamine. So it's kind of a happy herb. It's, yes. it's got natural antidepressant effects to it. It's also, you know, interesting in the, in the research on Parkinson's and mm-hmm. things like that, because there's so much correlation with Parkinson's and, and dopamine deficiency. But I was obviously was not concerned about Parkinson's at 18 years old. I was concerned with good. going to parties and having a good time. <laughs> um, so, so I was unique in college in the sense that I did not miss a single party, but I didn't drink. I wasn't called to drinking, but I love the vibe of the party. And I love being with friends and just having a good time. And I kind of just get high off the people around me. Yeah. But I still felt like it'd be cool to have a drink in my hand. So what Mm -hmm. am I going to do? So I kind of made my own little recipe. I made like this hot chocolate smoothie with like chia seeds and hemp seeds. At the time, I didn't know how to do stuff sugar-free. So I was sweetening it with with some, uh, you know, raw honey and warm gynostema tea as Mm -hmm. the base, spring dragon tea. Um, you were 18. Yeah. It takes most people like decades into their lives to even get to that. What you did there, that's just brilliant, right. and, but please and go then, ahead. <laughs> and then and then I would add a big, big dose of Makuna to it. Uh-huh. And I would be drinking this at the party. And sometimes people would ask like, you know, what's that? And, you know, it would be kind of a litmus test to see like how easygoing and cool they were. If they, if they were like, oh, respect, that's cool. Or if they were like, ah, oh, that's kind of fucking weird. Are we allowed to swear on your podcast? I don't know. Is you, that okay? You, I don't, damn right. <laughs> you can swear on my podcast. Absolutely. Damn right. Normally I ask at the beginning, but I forgot to check. Um, and, but, and, and some people were like, oh, can I try some? And those uh-huh. were like, okay, you're really my friend. Uh-huh. And so this was kind of, it was my, my party drink. And so <laughs> that, that was lots of Makuna in there. Also some ashwagandha I was incorporating. The next herb I got really into after that was astragalus. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, so I started off with a couple of Ayurvedic herbs. Yes. Those were just the ones I happened to encounter on my learning path. But I would say my knowledge is deeper in the area now of, of Chinese and Taoist tonic herbalism. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so astragalus was my next one. It's a, it's a chi tonic. We've got it actually on the on the table here. For, for those of you watching on YouTube, we can show you. It's these, so it's a root that gets sliced into these little white, yellow, uh, roots and you can actually take these and just chew on them and just like have it as like a, a snack, like instead of like a, um, like a Q-tip or, you know, some people like just like 
have, mm-hmm. have this oral fixation. It you actually just, tastes like, a little bit like you can licorice. just like soak it in your mouth and like chew mm-hmm. on it over over time, and it won't like fully break down to where you would like swallow the whole thing. Oh, I should but, not swallow this. Um, no. <laughs> like it might, I don't know, it might irritate your esophagus okay. a little bit. But it's, it's tasty. It's like you just like you're basically doing a water extract of it in your mouth over a period of like 20 or 30 minutes. I wasn't expecting you to actually bite it. I was just kind of like, never put anything edible in my hands and not expect me to eat it. A general concept. (laughs) I just saw the look in your eyes. It's like, was I not supposed to buy it? <laughs> it's so like what you want to kind of, you want to, no, it, like if you just took a little bit, like you're all good. Okay. Um, I was just saying that, uh, like the way to do it would be like, you could hold it in your mouth and like uh-huh. soften it with your saliva a little bit over time and, uh-huh. and then kind of like chew on it as it gets like soft. And and you're kind of just like sucking the juices out of it uh, rather than like okay. chewing up and, and swallowing the whole thing like a cracker. <laughs> <laughs> Leave it to me. <laughs> I, but that's a learning experience for me. I know I, I need to like hedge that before I, I present it next time. Especially when you put it around me. I'll, I'll, put any, I'll try anything. So yeah, I have a, a very low thresh, fear threshold there. But I love astragalus. I mean, I take it as a tincture. It's very practical. Mm-hmm. And uh, for me personally, I, I find it gives me energy. That's what I it's think for, it has yeah. wonderful effects also on the skin. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but uh, yeah, but please go ahead and delve deeper. So it, to support what you said, it's the, one of the top chi tonics in mm-hmm. the Chinese system, any moment to moment, energy, vitality, cognitive function, immune function. Um, it's a, it's a lung herb and mm-hmm. the skin, the, the health of the lungs is very much reflected in the health of the skin. That's how, how it ends up mm-hmm. benefiting your skin is through the roundabout way of being a lung tonic. So it's, and it's great immunologically as well for enhancing natural immune intelligence. So it's an incredible all around herb. And I, at the time was doing it. Yeah. Cause I wanted more energy. So it's a great, yeah. For, for energy, endurance, physical activity, um, especially doing work in the outdoors. It's very popular amongst athletes in China and amongst people who are doing physical labor out in the element. Superhumanize. And so that was your first foray into the Taoist herbs. Yeah, exactly. So the, the Taoist herbal world really intrigued me because the the structure that's built around it and the, and the theory is mm-hmm. really fascinating. To go a little bit into just some of the basics of it. Yes, please. If you don't mind, to build a framework Absolutely. Um, or, in which people can start to place a lot of these mm-hmm. herbs that they hear about and different health practices that they learn about. In the Chinese system, they say that your life is formed of what they call the three treasures. Mm-hmm. And these three treasures are called Jing, J-I-N-G, Qi, Q-I, and Shen, S-H-E-N. And they use the metaphor of a candle to describe them. Mm-hmm. Um, but in, in modern terms, I, I have a, a financial metaphor that I like to use as well that they didn't have back then. Uh, so we'll use both and people will get whatever works for them. So the Jing is the wax and the wick of the candle. It's your reserve energy. I say it's like your savings account mm-hmm. of energy. You inherit a certain amount of Jing from your parents, depending on how healthy they were and their epigenetics going back many generations and um, how well they ate and lived, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Some people get more, some people get less. We've all known people who have struggled with their health despite attempts to stay healthy. They just, it's difficult for them. And then there's the people who don't do anything for their health yet. They seem to be doing just fine. They're, you know, eating fast food and smoking cigarettes and drinking beer and appear to be reasonably okay. And they make fun of all of us who actually do stuff to (laughs) to stay healthy, but then they end up dying of a heart attack at 65. Adele ends very suddenly. So that is the different amount of Jing that you can start out with. So that is basically, it's like the, the Jing that you get from your parents. It's like your trust fund. Some people lucked out. They got Mm -hmm. a big fat trust fund. Some people, you just, you, you start from scratch. And, and that's just the way it goes. 
But as you go through life, you use up whatever Jing you have little by little. Even just any form of living uses Jing. And eventually you run out and you die, but you don't want that to happen too soon. And so it's good to recognize what are Jing leaks in your life where you're using it up excessively fast. This could be poor sleep quality. Mm -hmm. It could be too much stress. It could be overtraining, exercising too much, especially with like endurance sports, like marathons and things like that. It's amazing. I respect it, but it's not necessarily a longevity strategy to go to the extremes like this. Um, also, you know, drugs, alcohol, poor diet, all this, this will cause you to burn through your Jing at a faster rate. Then you can build your Jing, but there's not a lot of ways that people know how to do it. Certain very nutrient dense foods uh, can be beneficial. And then there's a whole class of Jing herbs. Astragalus is not one. That's a chi tonic, but we'll mm -hmm. talk about some other ones, things like cordyceps. This one that, I we've won't got, bite into that. we got here, that is actually one of the easiest ones to bite into. Mm -hmm. uh, that one you can actually just chew up uh, <laughs> if you really are tempted to go for it. Um, you got cordyceps, um, eucomia, hoshuwu, morinda, ramania, um, some things coming from the animal world as well, like deer antler is a very mm -hmm. strong jing tonic. And so that's your savings account of energy. It's your reserves. You you don't want to tap into it, but if you push too hard, you, you will be tapping into it. Mm -hmm. Then you have your chi. This is the flame of the candle. It's the active part. It's your checking account. It's the energy you extract every day from the air you breathe and the food you eat. If you're doing really good in terms of sleeping, eating, breathing, you're going to have enough energy actively coming in every day that you don't have to tap into your savings. You have enough, a big enough paycheck coming in on a regular basis that you don't have to tap into your savings right. account. So you can do that through great breathing practices, through things like Tai Chi and yoga, um, through getting quality sleep, eating really good foods, making sure you have strong digestive health and taking herbs. Things like astragalus here is a good example. Cordyceps, which we talked about for Jing is also a chi tonic. So it works in that department too. Ashwagandha, which we have here is it's a, it's a Ayurvedic herb technically, but it also is basically a chi tonic. Ginseng is another one. Siberian ginseng is another option. There's Poria is a, a lesser known one. There's, there's a whole host of different chi tonics. And so that's your checking account. But the ultimate purpose of life is not just to have a big checking account or a big savings account. The ultimate purpose of life is to actually benefit others, right? Mm -hmm. and, and shed a great light in the world. That's the third treasure. This is called your shen. That's a beautiful analogy. This is, this is your higher self. It's the light in your eyes. Now we had the wax and wick of the candle and we had the flame of the candle already with chi. This is the light that the candle gives off. A candle mm. does not just exist to have a big flame. It exists to give off great light. So this is your shen. It's your spirit. You can only really have, in most cases, if you have a strong foundation. If, right. if you have a very weak foundation of health, you're not going to be well set up to benefit others. If you yourself are in a state of financial ruin, you're not going to really be, this is kind of like your nonprofit. You're not going to be able to run a very successful nonprofit to benefit millions of people if Correct. you can't keep your own personal finances yeah. in order. Um, and if you know, you can't support yourself. So that's, what's going on here. You want to build your Jing, build, so, you know, build that candle so you can have a big candle and then that will allow for a big flame. And then ultimately that allows to give off this great light. And there's herbs that help in that category as well. Things like uh, reishi mushroom, which we I have here and here a couple of varieties of. That is one of the ultimate shen yeah. tonics. It's probably one of my very, very favorite herbs. And uh, I've noticed a huge difference since I've been starting to take it regularly. Just my um, spiritual practices, the way I deal, react, or don't react to mm. life. You know, being able to take a breath, 
and uh, getting back to life in a more reflected way, not being reactionary, just as a little side note. Yeah, Reishi, traditionally they would say calms and stabilizes mm-hmm. the heart, gets you out of your head, into your heart. You know, I'll always remember the first time I had a real strong Reishi. Um, it was 2011, uh-huh. I was living in Australia, and I had had some herbal tinctures shipped over to me because at the time it was really hard to find good stuff there. I was into wanting to have some more muscle and, and build up physically. And so I was starting to take some deer antler and, and enjoying it. I got, grabbed a tincture bottle early in the morning. I was going to like a 5.30 a.m. yoga class. I, I grabbed this and I, I wanted it because I was doing Ashtanga yoga, like really mm. physically vigorous and intense. And I wanted this support uh, for the physical body. And I grabbed it and it I, I brought it with me and it was kind of like in candlelight outside the yoga room and I was opening it up about to, you know, do a few dropper folds under the tongue. And I could tell even in the candlelight that the liquid inside the tincture bottle was not like the white milky color that I was expecting. So I was like, what is this? And I, so I went into the bathrooms where there would be some more light. I, I kind of walked into one of the stalls and I could see from the light there that it was a reishi tincture and it had been sent to me by accident. And it's just one of those divine things, right? Yes. I was like, wow, this is exciting. Um, let, <laughs> let me try this. It's here. And I did a dropper full right under the tongue and I'll never forget this. It was like, it released so much tension and stress out of my body that I kind of just like, melted into the wall of this bathroom stall. <laughs> and I was like, wow, that's so nice. And I just chilled me out. And a minute later, like I walked out of there and went into the yoga room and I was early for the class. I kind of just rolled out my mat and stood there at the front of the mat, just smiling and kind of like, wow, I feel really good. This is nice. It this is. is nice. Like it, it's just magic. It, it truly is. I mean, it's uh, for myself, but I also like to give it to my husband. He has a high stress work environment as in he's just always go, go, going. Mm. He's in uh, venture capital and life sciences and reishi mushroom has literally been a godsend either yeah. by itself as a powder and a tincture or combined with other herbs that just support you being in the stable calm state of mind and spirit. And (laughs) I know this is something we often talk about and you always give me sage advice. You know, I'm the kind of person I always try to find out to, ah, what is a hero hero dose for me with this herb or that herb? How much can I take? And I know there's, you can take too much also of healthy tonic herbs, but Reishi particularly, um, (laughs) I have taken a pretty large doses of, not often, Mm -hmm. um, but I found it has such an interesting effect on your brain and how it also opens up creatively. And there seem to be certain parts of your brain and the way you process things at very high reishi doses. I've noticed that it seems normally they're not linked. So I don't know if I'm correct or incorrect with this, if it's just my, my mind playing tricks on me, but I've had some very interesting effects on high doses. And again, do not do do not do this at home. Yeah, <laughs> start off slow, it. be safe. Yeah. Like the greatest benefit comes from taking these herbs in small amounts over yes. long periods of time, mm-hmm. allowing for the shift to slowly accumulate in your life. Now, to to explore what you were saying, though, there's no research to my knowledge of reishi specifically on its effect on the amygdala, mm-hmm. which is where you process mm-hmm. fear in the brain. But reishi is very well known for helping modulate one's stress response. Mm-hmm. So one could hypothesize that taking a significant amount of reishi, whether in a short period of time or extended, would quiet the amygdala. Yeah. And when you're, you're in less of a fight or flight state all the time, your brain can devote more resources to creativity because it's mm-hmm. not having to prioritize immediate survival. Exactly. 
And their uh, reishi is actually a, a classification of mushroom, right? It's not just one. So there's different varieties. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the most common is red reishi. Mm-hmm. Now you have red reishi that grows in the wild. You have red reishi that is grown in, in logs on, mm-hmm. a, on a farm. You have red reishi that grows in, in a different form called ant, red antler reishi, where it grows yes. in a different shape and like looks like, like antlers. Um, you have purple reishi. You have black reishi, which we have an example of here. Yeah, there's, there's many different ones, but yeah, red reishi is, is the classic one. And you want to make sure with reishi especially, it's important the way that it's grown. You want to make sure it's grown not on grain generally mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. Th- there can be some good mushrooms grown on grain. It, it can be done right, grown on like a gluten-free grain medium and grown well so that it eats up all the grain. And that will produce an, an immunologically reasonably strong mushroom. But most mushrooms grown on grains, they don't do it well. And so what you're actually buying is uh, primarily grain powder. And so you're not getting what you want. You want to look at the tests and see if they've tested for alpha glucans and beta glucans. Beta glucans, that's what you want. That's the immunologically active stuff. Alpha glucans, that's just grain powder. So you want that to be an absolute minimum and you want to maximize levels of beta glucans. Some people only test for total amount of polysaccharides, which incorporates both of those, but you mm-hmm. don't know what the, mm-hmm. what the split is. Mm-hmm. But the ultimate ratio is going to become from growing on hardwood. And because that is when it's able to produce the triterpenes, which are the adaptogenic balancing compounds that we really enjoy in addition to the immune benefits. And when you talk about the adaptogenic compounds, please explain to those listeners who are not quite aware what adaptogens are, what are they and what do they do in our bodies? Adaptogens are a part of this amazing class of tonic herbs. And actually to be considered a tonic herb by the Taoist Mm -hmm. classification, the herb must be adaptogenic. It must be what's called dual directional. It's not just pushing your body in one direction or another direction. It's not a stimulant. It's not a sedative. It's, it has not pre-decided where you're going to go. It is very much reactive to your biology mm-hmm. in a sense. If you look, for example, at gynostema, it's an herb that grows in Southern China. It's a great example. Yes. It is, it's not a stimulant. It just it makes you feel a little bit more invigorated, but simultaneously it's not a sedative, but it helps make you feel more peaceful. So you're simultaneously peaceful and invigorated. And it also works on the immune system. It does. If your immune system is underactive, it helps to bring it up. If your immune system is overactive, it can help to bring it down a little bit. And that we see, especially with reishi, really works in that way with the immune system and a lot of these other medicinal mushrooms as well. Do you have a preferred type of reishi that you like to work with best? Or is it different times in life, different reishi? Yeah, I mean... Um, I'm, I'm, of course, a little biased because we mm-hmm. produce a, a reishi extract powder product yes, that I know. is, is ama- grown on duan wood, which is a, a kind of hard wood uh-huh. uh, in the Dabi Mountains in China. And when people, you know, hear, of, oh, it's grown in China, they think, oh, like dirty cities and mm-hmm. pollution and heavy metals and all this stuff. That is, is not the full picture of what China contains. China is a huge country with a lot of different things going on. The Dabi Mountains, D-A-B-I-E, if you Google them, you'll see it's like these spectacular, remote, incredibly gorgeous mountains, like something out of Avatar. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's incredibly pristine there. There's a little, you know, a spring, a natural spring that runs down out of the mountains to where they grow the reishi and they use that spring water to keep the logs moist. It's like, it's a small family operation. And then when we get the extract powders, of course, they're tested for heavy metals. So we ensure the, the purity. Mm-hmm. So um, that 
yeah, I'm, I'm of course biased to that one, but there's another incredible ratio that I came upon over the years. Uh, it, this is just one of those things where over time you just happen to, to meet the right people and, and make the right connections. I was, uh, in 2011 traveling, uh, in Bali and I got introduced to this ethnobotanist, this amazing guy who travels all around the world in different projects, but he lives most of the year in Bali and he grows reishi there. And he figured out that coconut logs were like one of the most incredible wow. mediums for growing reishi because they're hard on the outside and soft on the uh -huh. inside. So the, the hard wood on the outside was perfect for growing it, but they could eat up the nutrients on the inside so much more easily. So he was able to produce something stronger and he made the most incredible reishi tinctures. Can you hook me up with a guy? That's we got to go on a trip to Bali. All right. Yeah. I'm in. <laughs> I know my husband go, is right? in. I know Ana Blanca will be in. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds amazing. Yeah, a couple's trip. <laughs> Speaking about reishi and your wonderful reishi powder, which I actually always have in a cup board, it's one of the things that, um, this is actually also something I learned from you. I love coffee. I'll have a couple of mugs at least a day when I'm good, only one to two. But in my morning coffee, I'll always add some tonic herbs, including reishi, uh, I love Mukuna. You mentioned Mukuna mm -hmm. before. It just gives you a beautiful kick and you just feel really well. Um, oh my, I, I mean, I love ashwagandha. There's so many things. So this beautiful reishi powder, um, could I, in theory, also snort it? Um, the mucous membranes in the nose are, are highly permeable. It's a very effective way to get things into the bloodstream. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, one way of looking at it. There, there's a reason that people snort drugs rather than just mm -hmm. eating them because it, it gets right to the bloodstream. That said, um, the nose is not meant for consumption of powders. There is uh, a high probability of uh, damage to the nasal airways. So <laughs> while one hypothetically could, it's not what I would recommend. I'm glad I asked first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although superfood snuff has kind of an interesting sound to it. Oh. Yeah, people, well, there's a few, you know, cacao snuff products that have gotten a little bit of fringe popularity over the past couple yes. of years. I've um, heard in Berlin, they have cacao ceremonies where they actually will snort cacao. Yeah. It's not on top of my list, but I found it interesting. I think, you know, if something is so delicious, exactly, eat it? Just eat it. <laughs> <laughs> Just eat this stuff. Yeah. And to get back to the tonic herbs and, uh, you know, the, the Taoist herbs, uh, this is, we're talking about traditions that are thousands of years old, mm -hmm. single herbs or also herbal formulations that have been used for hundreds or thousands of years. So there's a huge body of um, not just anecdotal, but medicinal on how this affects the human system. And yeah. They, they've been, you know, researching in their way, you know, they don't exactly run clinical studies, but right. they've been very closely observing mm. how these things work. So, and, and, and recording it. So that's very cool to have this deep sort of ancestral wisdom that, that goes back thousands of years in, in the Chinese herbal systems. Superhumanize. For people that are just starting out on this journey, you know, and you, you go into a supermarket and you can be overwhelmed by not just the amount of products, but then of course, quality. I mean, know your sources, know where it comes from. You've just mentioned what can happen with the mushrooms, you know, mm -hmm. um, if it's not enough beta-glucans, et cetera. So, but for somebody who's just on the beginning of their tonic herbal journey, what are the top three herbs you would recommend someone might want to start out with? And again, everybody has different areas that they want to work on, but are there maybe three, two or three, they say, this is a good idea to feel it out? Yeah. And, and there, there are so many possibilities mm -hmm. um, and it very much will depend on what's going on in that person's yes. life. You know, some of these herbs do have 
certain contraindications, like let's say uh, this one here, ashwagandha, if you have hyperthyroidism, overactive thyroid, mm-hmm. not a good fit. If your thyroid's underactive, very interesting mm-hmm. thing to look mm-hmm. at. Of course, always do your due diligence and research contraindications to be safe. That's the most important thing. We don't want anybody uh, hurting themselves in the pursuit of a healthier state of, of being. Mm. But I would say three really amazing herbs to explore would be ashwagandha, the one yes. we just mentioned, because it works on so many areas of health. Very supportive of the endocrine system of hormone health, which your hormones are kind of like the master switches that control so many other aspects of your health. You get them right and lots of other stuff starts to fall into place. A lot of times people are kind of playing whack-a-mole with different symptoms at surface, never getting to the the nest of the moles, which is the hormone imbalance. You know, you could even trace that back further to practices and things in your life that have led to the hormone imbalance, but the hormones are kind of the signals you want to look at to, to tell how things are really going. So ashwagandha is amazing in that department. It's good for stress, but also good for energy and endurance at the same time. Um, it's very neuroprotective. There's actually research on it showing that uh, when there's been heavy metal damage mm-hmm. in the brain and, and damage to the, to the neurites, it can actually help them grow back. Oh, so excellent. really, really an amazing herb. This is especially fascinating for, I mean, what I'm just doing is a heavy metal chelation. Uh, you and Ana Blanca have kind of accompanied me on that journey. I've been doing it since last October. But so decades of putting stuff into me being exposed and these heavy metals accumulating, and now it's about a year of getting rid of it. Right. And of course, you also notice while on such a detox that, wow, that stuff actually also sits in your brain. All of a sudden, you have all kinds of brain fog going on while that nastiness comes out. So anyone who's dealing with symptoms like this, whether on an active detox or just day-to-day, it might actually be a good idea to incorporate that, right? Ashwagandha is one of the ones with the broadest number of applications. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, like I said, it has a few contraindications. Like also, for example, if you're on like uh, Coumadin or Warafin, that's another contraindication with ashwagandha. So, um, but for, for so many people, it's a fantastic herb. And you want to make sure you're getting good quality, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times people will sell ashwagandha and they won't specify the form and it'll be just what's called a, a crude powder in the industry yeah. technical terms. And that's just where they take these roots and they grind them up into mm-hmm. a powder. You're not going to get a lot out of that. You really want an extract powder that where they've extracted the active compounds, concentrated them, and then spray dried it into a powder. And that's where you get some real potency. How, as a novice, can you actually make sure of this? If you're just standing somewhere or you're online and you're looking at the description of a product, three you want to look for the term extract powder. Extract, mm-hmm. um, extract occasionally powder. Occasionally, the company may not specify, but then you can write them and you can say, is this an extract mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. is it a crude powder? Mm-hmm. And hopefully, they're straightforward and honest about it. Because you can waste a lot of money on products right. that are really subpar. And instead of helping you, they'll end up hurting you. Mm-hmm. And uh, I certainly have been through that uh, many, many years ago when I first started on my own herbal journey. Now I'm blessed to be surrounded by friends such as yours. So I can always run by things by you and uh, made a huge, huge change. Um, So we've got ashwagandha as herb number one. I would say reishi would be number two. uh Uh, As I was saying, so great for getting you out of your head and into your heart and dealing with stress, um, improving. It's not trying to improve sleep quality, but quantity of sleep it actually improves, um, which is, is great because- Sleep, again, impacts so many aspects of health. If your sleep quality and quantity are not great, your health is not going to be optimal. How is the indication, just a quick um, question for sleep, uh, using this for children? Can you use this particular herb also with children? Because a lot of children that get classified with, oh, they have um, all kinds of problems from uh, attention deficit or whatnot, they actually have sleep problems, but that have not been discovered Mm. yet. 
Can you use tonic herbs safely, such as this, on children? The research is somewhere between extremely limited to non-existent. Mm. You can't really, really say that's something where the, you know you would have to talk with your pediatrician or functional mm-hmm. medicine doctor um, and and take it on a case by case basis. Um, for for kids in sleep, I would first look at you know dealing with sugar consumption mm-hmm. and and controlling that and other things that throw off neurochemistry like MSG have a, a routine where they're kind of mellowing down in the night, expose them only to red light in the evenings. Don't have them watching TV and on screens with these bright blue lights that, <laughs> that uh, suppress melatonin production. Uh, and of course, yeah, as we're recording this, of course, we're in, in front of light so we can do a video at night. So like sometimes <laughs> stuff like, you know, just, you got to do what you got to do, <laughs> but you know, on, on an ongoing basis, it, it, that's the thing to understand too. If, if occasionally you have to break a rule in anything with your health, don't kill yourself with stress and guilt over it. It's what you do on a regular basis over the long term, over the yes. years that that really makes a difference. But blue light at night, which is the light that you get from most light bulbs that you're using, or you know, screens, iPads, phones, all mm. this, this is all suppressing melatonin production. So it's interfering with your ability to fall asleep and get into your good deep sleep stages that you want to hit in the first half of the night. Then just kind of have a routine. You know, mm-hmm. as, as I mentioned, to kind of chill out and, and something that would be really good. You can incorporate like magnesium too. There's like, you know, liquid magnesium, little drinks that you can do for kids that, that help with the relaxation. Yes. Thank you. I think that will be very valuable input to a lot of the listeners who do have kids. I know at least five friends of mine who'd be like, thank goodness <laughs> <laughs> without drugging the poor kid. <laughs> right. Right. Magnesium is a, is a reasonably safe drug. <laughs> But of course, you know, even I've got to say, even magnesium has its contraindications, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for, for most situations, it's one of the greatest things you can have. I mean, with the, the kind of soil that our food grows in today, 80% of Americans are chronically deficient in magnesium. Huh. Um, so that's a yes. great, if you have, if you have some blood tests done, you have your magnesium levels tested, mm-hmm. really good idea. Even uh, if you eat there. organic exclusively, right? Because the soil right. depletion is not just limited to so-called conventional crops. Right. We had this thing called the Dust Bowl mm. in the 1920s where all the topsoil got blown away yep. and never got put back mm-hmm. necessarily. And, and you know, the, even organic foods are having to be produced at such a speed and, and they're perhaps not letting the soil lie fallow for the time that they would have traditionally. Um, yes, yeah, so even if you're eating organic foods and superfoods, it's really great to have some mineral levels tested to know where you're at. It's just knowledge. And then you can look at making dietary shifts or incorporating supplements like magnesium glycinate or magnesium L3-inate, which is the one that can actually cross the blood-brain barrier and increase brain levels of magnesium. Can so you explain cool. a little more about those two particular types of magnesium, for example? Sure. And also it's interesting to know there is actually a variety of different magnesium types, not right. just one. So many different forms of magnesium, um, some of which are used as laxatives um, mm-hmm. because it, it can work in that way depending on what else it's bonded to. So, so magnesium glycinate is magnesium that is on uh, glycine mm-hmm. um, and, and, and magnesium L3-inate is magnesium with threonine. Um, and so there's different forms like magnesium malate would be another one. Um, you have like Epsom salt form of magnesium is another one. And so different ones have different levels of ability to irritate the, the intestines in a way that would stimulate you to go to the bathroom. Magnesium glycinate tends not to do that. It's the most gentle in that department, which is really nice because 
you have stuff to do during the day. You can't just right. like set up your office unless you, you know, you set up your office on the toilet, but who wants to do that? And then you have magnesium L3 and 8, which yes. is this other one, because magnesium glycinate is great, but it does not cross the blood brain barrier. You're not raising your brain levels of magnesium. And this is amazing for relaxation, mm-hmm. for, for stress, and for actually anti-aging of the brain. It's very powerful. Ah, fantastic. I was aware of the first two benefits. The third one, I was not. And brain health is a huge top on my list issue that I'm working on right now. I think we can't be preventative enough. Right. Life stops being fun when your brain Mm -hmm. stops working. Um, Nothing is enjoyable. And there's nothing cool about having brain damage. Um, Mm. And that just doesn't necessarily, it can come from traumatic brain injuries. It can come from toxins, but it can also like come progressively through your life because you're, you know, you're eating not a great diet or not sleeping enough. And you have maybe you're eating non-organic blueberries, lots of pesticides and and other forms of neurotoxins coming into the body. I mean, especially these days, you got to be on top of it. And if you want to go for longevity, you want to make sure that longevity is accompanied by a highly functioning brain because otherwise, why bother? Superhumanize. You know, there's so many wonderful applications for these tonic herbs and something people are always fascinated by. I mean, the one thing is anti-aging, physical anti-aging, but something else that always piques people's interest. You tell them, take care of your brain, take care of your heart, you know, and they'll be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then when you start talking about sexual health, all mm. of a sudden ears peak up. Everybody's yeah. really listening to you, right? <laughs> so um, I know you have had... Um, have a topic that you've spoken about before and that I find fascinating with relation to tonic herbs, and that's ejaculatory control for guys based on certain herbal protocols. Well, it, yeah, it's, it's herbs played a role, um, like an herb that would help in that area. And this is a great sexual health herb for both men yes. and women is shizandra berry. Mm. Shizandra berry, mm-hmm. it's called wu weizu in Chinese. It's called the five flavor fruit. Because it's sweet, salty, bitter, mm-hmm. uh, sour, and pungent. It's got it all going on and it's, it works on all three treasures that we talked about earlier and it is astringent. It's tightening. So for guys, it helps you to hold back. Um, for women, they say, yeah, this is the traditional, how they would say it. Uh, they say it increases the quality and quantity of the female elixir. I'll let you interpret that for yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so that herb is, is great both for men and women. And we, when we talk about, you know, we talked, touched earlier on leaking the jing, mm-hmm. depleting your life force at an accelerated rate and hence shortening the quality, short, shortening the quantity of your life and, and diminishing quality. Um, excessive ejaculation by men yes. also contributes to this. And, and any guy will tell you like after sex, you don't have the same kind of energy that mm-hmm. you had before. Um, whereas for women, it's different. You got to come off with more energy and you're ready to have a conversation and cuddle and, and go and conquer the world. Guys, we need to chill out for an hour and kind of like replenish. Why? Um, so this, your body, of course, evolutionarily is going to put its most precious resources mm. into, from an evolutionary biology perspective, the purpose of life, which is to reproduce. Um, the purpose of life is not to grow old and, and wise and, and be a radiantly healthy 90-year-old. Evolution doesn't really care. Um, but that's what we want. So you know, we got to play around this. And so- you know, I kind of came across this when I was like 15, 16. I, I read The Tao of Health, Sex, and Longevity. Yes, and, great uh, book. That was like, whoa, you can have an orgasm and not ejaculate and then do it again? 
You started practicing that at 15, 16. I, well, I got exposed to the idea, but it was yeah. like a little bit too mind blowing for me at that time. So I kind of put it on the, <laughs> on the back burner um, and, and revisited it a couple of years later. It's, it's, there's a variety of pillars to this. And, you know, it's kind of a whole conversation in and of itself, yes. but uh, it involves breathing practices and, and, and uh, opening up the energy channels in one's body and certain muscular control practices, namely with the perineum that you have to really mm-hmm. uh, train and practice the, the tightening of and being aware of the energies in your body so you know when to, when to push, when to back off um, and understanding that orgasm really happens like 99% of the way to ejaculation. And if you can put the brakes on the train mm-hmm. right at that 99%, you experience the bliss, chill out for 30 seconds and round two, we're here. So, so multiple orgasms is not... Um, only something that women get to enjoy. Guys can do it too, but it just takes a little more work. Yeah, practice and dedication and a lot of willpower. Right. Practice, dedication, willpower. Yeah, because it's easy once you're at 98% to say, ah, oh, screw it, I'm just going for the 100. <laughs> but long run, you and your partner will be much more fulfilled if you learn the control. And then you can go to 100 when you want, but go there by choice, not mm-hmm. because base shocker takes control. Yeah. And as much as it's, of course, fun to let go and go with the flow in all kinds of different areas of life, it's also good to know that you can control your biology and yeah, certain aspects. Yeah, you mastered aspects. yourself. Yeah, yeah, you master yourself. So uh, there's not just the physical aspect to it. There is a deep mental and spiritual aspect to it, too, and that I find fascinating. So, And you, then, then I can guarantee you afterwards, you come away with way more energy. It's, yes. it's spectacular. And, and your partner will be very appreciative too. Absolutely. <laughs> you may have to at first explain, like that's, it does take communication between you, uh-huh. you and your mm-hmm. partner because it's, it's very easy for a, a woman to feel the guy's not been properly, you know, satisfied and taken care right. of when in fact it's better than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's what communication is always key. And so Shizandra is one of the great herbs for women and men sexually. Right. What else? Uh, Makuna, which we talked yes. about at the beginning. That's also kind of a part of the reason that I was putting that one in my my drinks in college is, <laughs> is I had read stuff about uh, studies on, on actually animal models on, on, on sexual performance statistics. Uh-huh. And I just thought, well, like just in case something happens, I, I want to be ready. In the studies, the, these are, um, I believe it was uh, rat studies. They found increased time spent in what they call the mounted position and decreased intervals uh, in, in between the mounted sessions. So <laughs> that's a beautiful I'll, I'll you, scientific way. That, yeah. That's a great scientific <laughs> way of explaining it. But so, I mean, um, for example, maca has a, an interesting effect on libido. I, I had no idea that Makuna also had an effect on sexual performance. Yeah. Makuna, it, it does. And it's an aphrodisiac as well. Mm. Um, you know, here's the thing to understand about a lot of these herbs is yes, they, they are going to have some immediate effects like schizandra, like for, for getting in the mood, I'd say like schizandra is one of the most exciting herbs. There, there's various ways you can go about it, but they have short-term effects. You know, black ginger is mm-hmm. another one in that department, especially Ooh, for guys. For I have some great black ginger from, from your company. Tell me yeah. when I should use it. I've been putting it in my morning coffee. Maybe not that good. No, no, that's fine. Um, it it has certain effects for, for women as well, because for women, blood flow is important yeah. too, but it's a vasodilator. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's increasing blood flow. Uh, so that's super important for guys. But I think the importance of that for women is not uh, talked about often enough. Um, so for both men and women, uh, the blood flow is important. There was a study done on a, a group of men who they weren't using specific metrics per se, but they were just using uh, subjective feedback of mm-hmm how things were going down there and they they found very positive results you have to say this was uh, this study was paid for by a company that was selling the product um so there's sure. always potential for bias so you gotta you know take it with a grain of 
of uh, Celtic sea salt and, and do your own <laughs> research and, and experimentation and, and see how it goes for you. But there's a lot of research around black ginger also in athletic performance and endurance and energy and um, even like something like grip strength metrics was oh, very strong. That's a, another really interesting herb. But what I want to communicate is that there will be immediate effects with these herbs, but the real magic is in the long term. Yes. These herbs will transform your biology, really transform transform hormone health because sexual health is so deeply tied to the health of your hormones. Um, for both women and men, if you don't have enough testosterone, there's not going to be that drive. Mm. Women don't think about testosterone. They think, oh, that's a guy's thing. I don't want, you know, to be like hairy and all this stuff. Women don't need male levels of testosterone. They need about a one thirtieth, but that amount is really important to have for drive, for motivation, for energy for happiness, for sexual drive. And, and, you know, if you, you can become like very estrogen dominant, progesterone gets low, estrogens get really high, testosterone maybe also get low. And that will lead to a a state of really not such an enjoyable life. Yeah. Not not being in the flow, not uh, having any drive, Mm. not believing in yourself. And uh, I think it's, it's a really important point you bring up here that testosterone levels matter for women as well. Right. Yeah. And, and there's so many pieces, so many pillars that go into building hormone health. Mm. I mean, that's a, a whole rabbit hole in and of itself, but you know, some of the basics are like vitamin D, which you always mm-hmm. want to take in combination with vitamin K2. So, yes. that, so that the calcium goes to the right places. Uh, having Explain a little bit because some of our listeners might not be yeah, aware. Yeah. So, so if you're just taking D3 supplementally mm-hmm. and not taking vitamin K2, which basically instructs the calcium to go to your bones, it can send calcium to your arteries, which if, if, this is if you're taking a high dose. Uh, calcium in the arteries, definitely not where we want not calcium long-term, right? It's not, not, not a great longevity strategy. D3, you always want to take in combination with K2. Um, for hormone health, you want to make sure you're sleeping well. You want to minimize stress. Look, I know there's nothing worse for somebody who's stressed than hearing somebody say, you got to stop stressing. It doesn't help. There's never been anything less helpful in the history of the world than hearing you got to stop stressing. Um, Just make them a tonic I, I like to give people strategies, right? Mm-hmm. So, so like we talked about magnesium earlier, we talked about reishi mushroom and ashwagandha. These are great, great things to incorporate. I mean, you can also look at um, holy basil is another great one. And that'll also raise testosterone, which is really cool. But if you're actually trying to start a family, hold off for guys on the holy basil, because even though it increases your testosterone, it decreases sperm count. strangely enough, it's one mm. of those kind of bizarre catch 22s. And so then you could also look at things like pearl powder or albizia flower, um, blue butterfly. These things all have some great stress modulating effects. You know, you may not be able to decrease the stressful nature of your workplace per se, but you can take herbs that change the way your body responds, Yes, change, you know, improve your resilience to stress. And so you can still be amongst the same circumstances, but not lose control over, over your amygdala, over your nervous system. And yeah, exactly. And how I feel when I um, purposefully take these types of herbs, when I know I'm going to be exposed to great stress, either travel or work, or it could be even emotional grief. I, I consciously take these herbs and I like to liken it to, it's kind of like you're still dealing with everything you have to deal with, but it's like you're sitting on top of the world and looking at everything like a greater, bigger picture. 
And these little things don't poke you as much. You just look at it calmly and then do what needs to get done without being reactionary. Right. CBD is another great one here for your team. High quality CBD oil. Yes. I heard a great quote from Joe Rogan recently uh-huh. who, who had a great way of putting it. He's like, CBD, it makes you less concerned about your impending demise. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, CBD also has high uh, anti-inflammatory quality. So it might right. actually push that demise out a little exactly, further. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's great when it works that way. Right, it's nice when they go hand in hand. <laughs> Superhumanize. Yeah, I'm very glad we also touched upon these more, um, of course, their brain effects, but they're actually also tied to what I want to call metaphysical effects. Because the beautiful thing about these herbs is, yes, they affect our uh, hormone system, our, you know, our, our the focus of our brain, uh, our, our performance physically and all that. But I feel there's something much, much deeper at work here too, especially when you take these tonic herbs for, for years. You just, I feel they've been a big part of my journey and becoming reconnected to what I like to call my deepest truth. Mm. You know, we go through life, we go through certain phases in life. It can be even something like the teenage years or you just have rough times in your life and you become deconnected, disconnected from who you really are, from source, whether you're religious or not. And tonic herbs have played a great role bringing me back to who I really am yeah. and then helping carry that forth also to others. So there's, that's an aspect that I'm fascinated by. That's the three treasures right there. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, you can even kind of look at the three treasures and line them up right next to Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Yes. is more of like a Western psychological yes. concept. Once you have this foundation of your base life force and health situation is okay. That's mm-hmm. your jing. That's like your, your basic safety, you know, that you're not going to, you're not concerned that you're going to fall ill immediately. You're not concerned that you could imminently die. It's, it's a tricky situation when you're in that area because you're in a state of fear. Well, fear is a jing leak. So that's going to make you even worse off people. You know, people are are fearful when they are vulnerable like that, because any, if you got only a little bit of jing, any little wisp of wind could knock you over and kill you. But, and that fear is simultaneously burning through your jing. So it's a really negative cycle to be Mm. in. But if you can break out of it, either by conquering the fear, and then that will allow you to have a kind of like a a brief respite to start building your jing or taking some jing herbs maybe. And, and you start to build that jing back to where you're no longer quite at the edge where you're so vulnerable of falling off the face of earth of life and crumbling, then you're a little bit better off and you can start to like create a, a daily lifestyle, something that's going to cultivate chi in your life. And, and now you can actually do more stuff and activities. You're no longer concerned with your imminent survival or demise. Then you get that sorted out. Now we're looking up towards like the self-actualization kind of a thing in Maslow's hierarchy of needs or the Shen as the Taoists talk about it. And now you have this big candle you are a big flame, very impressive, but you're not just there to be impressive and have people say, wow, Ariana, she's amazing. You're there to shine this light into so many other people's lives. And this is your spirit. It's your higher self. You on a biological level are not predisposed to pursue spiritual development when your health is right on the edge, right? Your body's focus on immediate survival. If you are in the middle of running from a saber-toothed tiger, you're not going to be, you know, necessarily focused on 
dealing with childhood traumas and how am I going to help other people? Sure. It's like, <laughs> there's one priority, survive. Run. And that's the trap that so many people are caught in today yeah. with this persistent stress coming from our, our work yes. lives, coming from technology, coming from just society's construction today. And that we're not, you know, necessarily living in a village, but we're living these weird isolated lives where we only mm. see our families yet. We're connected to everybody on social media. Like yep, no one. You hear nice things from your family or maybe not, but, but then you hear like all this craziness from outside and the news designed to like get you fearful every day. So, you know, there's lots of things that get us into this chronic trap of mm. being stressed mm. and that's going to hold you back and not sure. allow you to explore, you know, your, your higher potentialities yes. as a being. As individuals, but also as a society and as the human race and what you just touched upon. I mean, I'm not much of a conspiracy theorist or, well, <laughs> scratch that. I, <laughs> I have a Fox Mulder bobblehead. I have a coffee mug that says, I want to believe. My ringtone is either X-Files or The Matrix. So, yeah, okay, scratch it. <laughs> but um, I, I do, but this in jest, I do believe that it's for the benefit of a lot of individuals, corporations, industries to keep people from reaching their highest potential, mm. to keep them in this fear-based mode, just running, running, running in this wheel and, and not getting out to really explore themselves and others and how they can actually elevate. And I think tonic herbs are a massive tool that can help us individually, but also our smaller circles, our loved ones, families, yeah. but also humanity to help us level up, to actually overcome all these um, human obstacles that we think we can't overcome and, you know, to become more superhuman in a sense. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's tempting also when one first gets onto this stuff and starts experiencing some mm -hmm. results to like want to turn everybody onto it and push it on all your friends. Like <laughs> you got to try this stuff, try it like, and then like guilting your family and pushing them like, mom, I can't believe you're not taking reishi. Like, <laughs> don't you want to live? <laughs> <laughs> and now my mom is super into this stuff. I've never had like, she's always like asking me like, oh, what should I be taking? What should I be taking? Yeah, mine loves it too. My mom loves your guys' chocolates. That's the only thing she always asks me when I come to Germany, what can I bring? Take the wellness chocolate. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah. But in the initial stages, if you want to have the best long-term benefit on those mm -hmm. around you in terms of getting them to get into these things, I would say just focus on building your chi and your jing and, and being that example. Once you have that, the light naturally mm. comes off. People start looking at you and saying, wow, how are you looking this amazing? You look five years younger than when I saw you five years ago mm -hmm. and, and stuff like that. And, you know, everybody gets sick around you and you're just like, ah, oh, whatever, I'm fine. Like, you can't <laughs> touch me. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, you just, and, and people see that your, your brain is working and you're mm. sharp and you have like they can see in your complexion, you have clear skin and good circulation and the light in your eyes and you're not getting tired and you're not following the normal pattern of aging necessarily mm. that one would expect you to. And they'll ask, they'll come to you. They'll want to know. Yes. Um, and, and that's a much better way I Absolutely. Think, to go. But you'll have maximum impact if you lead with the inspiration and then provide information as people, you know, come asking. And the beautiful thing, especially about these herbs, is you know, people may come asking uh, for certain things. You know, for me, I get a lot of women asking about the hair. It's all mine, no extensions, nothing wrong with, with yeah, extensions. You kind, thank you. Mm -hmm. But, but you know, hey, I mean, this is because I put amazing fuel into my body. Last right. but not least, these beautiful tonic herbs. And I just love, even when people come with a question that might be vanity uh, caused, 
I don't care because you know much better than I do, you know, that, that these, these herbs um, do much more than just one particular thing. Right. You know, you give somebody a recommendation for something that may help support hair growth, you know, it'll also nourish the blood. It'll also take care of other things in the body and the person will truly start to feel better inside out. And that's what excites me. Yeah. Like with hair growth is a great example because one of the biggest factors in people who have like their hair falling out or mm. their hair just like won't grow, it's not thick, um, is thyroid health. Mm-hmm. And the thyroid affects so many aspects of your biology. And, and, and what really kills the thyroid? Well, things like soy, excess consumption of uh, goitrogens, like, like mm-hmm. are found in soy, it's, it's, a, it's a goitrogenic food. And uh, lack of iodine is another factor. Stress is very toxic for the thyroid. Um, there's a lot of things going on there. But when you get your thyroid right, well, now your digestion gets better. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you have more energy. Well, you're not cold all the time. Yes. Like all these things magically fall into place. Oh, and your hair is like luscious. Oh. <laughs> and it's so true. I never had hair problems, even the times uh, when I, I mean, I used to be, people would think I'm a vampire or a zombie because I would have such cold hand and feet. Oh. My circulation wasn't really great. But yeah. ever since I've been working on strengthening that and strengthening the thyroid, like I'm a little oven. So I, I never, you never even know you have a problem before you delve into this and like, oh, I've been dealing with this. You just for get all my so life. used to it. I thought it yeah. was normal. <laughs> no, <Right>. it's not. <laughs> you just think this is who I am, but no, it's yeah. not. It's just it's uh-huh. just your state yeah. at this stage. Yeah. yeah. And you know, if we look at Shisandra, the herb we were talking about before mm. is, is an aphrodisiac, it does a whole lot more than that. You can if you, you know, get a guy to take that for because for aphrodisiac and sexual performance. Great, but he's going to get some side benefits to this. It's a liver cleanser. It's a blood cleanser. Um, it helps with uh, skin. It helps protect your skin, they say, from the negative effects of exposure to the elements, like from exposure to the sun and the wind and the cold. Um, and it's uh, a magical herb on, on so many levels. It's even a, a shen tonic, and it helps you stop you from stressing. It does so much. Superhumanize. I take both goji and shizandra daily, and I love them. I even, I mean, they come in great capsule form, uh, tincture form, but what I love to do too, because it's just delicious, um, and you might have a tip on me on how to actually fine-tune this, but I usually take uh, same amounts, a handful of goji berries, a handful of shizandra, and then I'll just uh, bring them to a boil, let them simmer for 15 to 20 minutes, Mm -hmm. and then let them cool off. And then I have this delicious, really refreshing, tart yet sweet tea. Yeah. And I f- it just feel so yummy. And I know I'm doing something really it's amazing. It's so for nice. And you could even like add a little bit of lemon juice and a couple drops of stevia to uh-huh. have like a, a really very flavorful sort of like a, a pink lemonade kind of thing Ooh, going on. That sounds good. I'll try that for yeah. sure. And talking about delicious, there's something else I really want to delve into with you. And that's raw cacao. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, this is actually the foundation of your amazing chocolates, the addictive wellness chocolates, which are, I mean, I've been raving about them ever since I, ever since I got my hands on them being your taste tester. I mean, they're completely organic, raw, vegan. They're full of superfoods. They're sugar-free. There is nothing in there that's bad for you. Literally every ingredient in your chocolates is medicine for your body. Mm. And it starts with the amazing raw cacao that you use Tell us more about cacao, raw cacao, and which uh, cacao strains you particularly like working with and what the differences are. Yeah. So I, I first got interested in cacao in my early years of getting into health because I, you know, I talked about earlier those like not so tasty smoothies that I was making, mm-hmm. but I was drinking them because they made me feel amazing. I 
pretty soon we got asked by some friends, like, could you make me those for me? Like, cause we were on, I was on a surf trip with some friends in Costa Rica mm-hmm. and I would go out surf for five or six hours fueled by all these superfoods. And they would be coming in after two hours to the beach, like tired and hungry. And I would, I wasn't talking about what I was doing. I would just like quietly in the corner of the room. I had a little, this is like 2008. I had like my little magic bullet blender mm-hmm. and I would be blending up my drink in the corner and just drinking it. And they ended up asking me like, can you maybe make me one of those? I'd, I'd like to try, but it was so bad tasting and so powerful that they, within a couple of minutes, were running to the bathroom to go throw up a couple of <laughs> factors there. The taste was really intense combined with, um, they, quite a few of them, not all of them, but quite a few, uh, were dealing with prescription painkiller addiction Ooh. at the time. And so they had toxic and, and a lot of drinking. This is college, right? Toxicity levels were high. Mm. And sometimes when you take a high dose of something that is powerfully detoxifying, it will find the fastest way to escort the toxins out of your yeah. body. That may be projectile vomiting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> As it just, it wants to get them out. Um, Sounds like combo, huh? <laughs> yeah. So I realized if I'm going to have any kind of an impact beyond mm. just enjoying these things and, and the experience myself, I'm going to have to figure out a way to make mm. this taste good. Like how, how the heck am I going to do that? And then I got exposed to cacao as a superfood. And I was like, well, this is interesting. I didn't know. I mean, I'd heard about like okay, dark chocolate. It's good for you. It's got antioxidants, but I didn't know the deeper levels of information. Like cacao is the highest natural source of magnesium, very high in chromium, the number one trace mineral that people are in the Western world are chronically deficient in over 80% of people. How does this deficiency show itself? Blood sugar regulation problems. Uh Yeah. Chromium is very important for blood sugar regulation and it's the highest natural source of antioxidants in terms of food sources. Um, and then it's got really interesting neurotransmitter compounds like serotonin, which is the happiness chemical, anandamide known as the bliss chemical, phenethylamine, which is known as the love bliss chemical. It's the hormone that gets secreted in your brain when you're in love. It's why we have this Valentine's day, love chocolate connection. Mm -hmm. This is like pretty mind blowing to me. I was excited because this was a crossover between the worlds of what was really good for you and things that people really enjoyed consuming. So, okay, okay. I was thinking this could maybe be the gateway health food here to really open up people to this world. Cause I understood that as you change your state of health, as you change your pH, as you change your, you know, inner ecosystem, your taste change. So if I could get people in with something that tasted really good and with time, they would open up to, you know, having a green juice or, mm-hmm. you know, eating more vegetables, things like that. Um, you know, maybe they, they didn't love broccoli, but then maybe they will end up loving it, you know, things like that. Um, and so I started like experimenting and, and I learned how to make raw chocolate um, when I was uh, actually in, in Costa Rica um, in, in some time in the jungle there. I realized, okay, this could, this could be something here. And I you know, was doing my best at the time. I was kind of sweetening it with honey. And I learned that cacao is a vasodilator. So if you take something with cacao, could be herbs, could be white sugar and, and GMOs, whatever you take with it, going to drive deeper into your system. It's Mm. a delivery vehicle. Then once those compounds are in your system, cacao is also a mild MAO inhibitor. MAO, monoamine oxidase, is something that uh, it's like the bouncer at the club Mm. uh, or or like the security when the club is closing down. Uh, It says, okay, you've been here long enough. You know, you've been here 12 hours or whatever. It's time to go, like finish your drink and then you got to get out of here. You're done. But the MAO inhibitor 
is when the bartender comes over and says, no, these guys are my friends. They're cool. <laughs> They're going to help me clean up. They're doing good stuff around here. They help like, you know, promote the bar and make sure everything, you know, runs yeah. smoothly around Great here. Great analogy again. And, and let them stay. These, they're, they're cool. They're cool. Um, hmm. And the O inhibitor says, these can stay longer. You are driving the herbs deeper into your system and you are uh, letting them stay in there and keep doing the work longer. So I said, wow. And this is around the time that I was starting to get into some of these different herbs. And so I started, you know, putting Makuna and Ashwagandha into my chocolate and also like even some more extreme stuff like Shilajit, which is this Himalayan yeah. mineral pitch that, and I, and I found that these herbs, which, you know, can be a bit like intensely flavored and earthy and bitter and things like that on their own, they hide so well behind the flavor profile of chocolate. They mm. fit in there so well and kind of camouflage in and they're not so harsh anymore. And so this is a win in two ways. Like these, the cacao is potentiating these herbs and it's like escorting them in flavor wise. So this is amazing. And so I started making this chocolate and over the years I would, I would learn more about herbs and evolve the kind of herbal formulations I was doing in the chocolate. And I would get better at chocolate making. And then when Ana Blanca and I got together, she really inspired me to, to do the final push to make it sugar-free because that was the, the one limiting factor is that this chocolate was amazing. It was really high quality and, and it had some great herbs in there. But at a certain point, you know, once you've eaten 10 or 12 pieces, it's like, okay, this is kind of a lot of sugar now. I, I, I got I to gotta back off. And they are um, so delicious. You want to keep eating. Yeah. Like you have a really, and you know that, of course, really smart, wonderful, beautiful woman at your side. Right. And, yeah. and you know, I was... I was uh, recovering from candida from, from mm. earlier on in my teenage years. I had skin issues and took antibiotics because I didn't know what else to, to do mm -hmm. about it. And that led to candida overgrowth. And for that, you really, to heal, you got to strictly cut out all forms of sugar for between six months to two years, mm -hmm. depending on the, on the case. I, I didn't have a way to have sugar-free chocolate. And so she really pushed me like, you got to do it. You can do it. You can do it. And so I pushed hard in the R&D and created a chocolate that was totally sugar-free. You're and using xylitol, So right? yeah, we use a combination of, mm -hmm. of two sweeteners, actually. We use xylitol and specifically xylitol made from organic birch trees. Mm -hmm. What's um, the difference to other xylitols? So this is what I use myself too, but yeah, yeah. some people might not know. Most xylitols, you'll see, they say plant-derived xylitol. Yeah. And you think, oh, well, that sounds really nice. Uh -huh. <laughs> well, uh, if it's saying that, it means it's coming from uh, GMO corn, probably mm. grown in China, sprayed with Roundup. Delicious, um, not right. So it's very, very much suboptimal, um, and certainly that's going to be causing some gut disturbances. Yeah. And so that that's bad. You want to avoid that, uh, but go for hardwood derived xylitol. That's the really good stuff, and it's actually got a pretty interesting body of research behind it. Um, and this is, of course, in varying doses. The things I'm about to talk about, not necessarily the dose found in our chocolate, but um, in terms of. Uh, bone health at higher mm -hmm. doses for women, um, acting as a prebiotic, helping to kill off bad bacteria in the gut, very well researched for its dental health benefits and, and cavity prevention. So we use xylitol from birch trees, and then we use a special non-bitter organic stevia. Mm -hmm. You know, most stevias out there, people have had bad experiences with because they leave a bitter aftertaste. We have a very special one um, that 99%, 98, 99% of people will absolutely love. There's a small fraction of the, of the population, about one to 2% in our experience that are what we would call stevia super tasters. No matter how perfect and clean tasting the stevia <laughs> is, they just have a couple taste buds in their tongue that are a little overdeveloped. Um, yeah, what is your and, power? Yeah, I'm a stevia <laughs> super taster. <laughs> okay. And so there's, there's a very small fraction of people for whom stevia just will not work. And I respect that. And, and we have other options of things that you can try. Um, but 
most people who think stevia doesn't work for them, I would invite them to give ours a try. And if you do, like if you order a bar of chocolate and you end up being a stevia super taster after all, just send me, send an email and we'll refund your money. No problem. Um, try ours because the vast majority of people who have said to us when we've you know, been doing a demo at an event or in a, in a health food store, they'll say, oh, I, I don't like stevia. And we, we encourage them to try it. And, they, and they're blown away because they said, this tastes fantastic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that, that's how, how we sweeten it. Excellent. And it, I mean, it tastes like uh, pretty much the best, tastiest, dark chocolate you ever had. Thank you. Yeah. So for people who want to know how does it taste like, is it like white chocolate, like milk chocolate, like dark? It's a really good, smooth, non-bitter, rich, beautiful tasting dark chocolate yeah, flavor. Yeah, it's, it's a rich uh-huh. dark chocolate. Um, if some people ask what's the percentage, it's 83% cacao. But we usually don't talk about that that much because it's misleading due to the fact that we use stevia as a sweetener. Stevia and its sweetness is much stronger in terms of concentration by weight than sugar would be. It's, mm. it's like 200 times more concentrated in terms of the sweetness. So an 83% cacao bar sweetened with stevia actually is going to be a, a significantly sweeter and less dark tasting than an 83% that is with sugar. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you were to you know take like an 80, 83, 85% regular dark chocolate bar, this is going to taste a lot uh, sweeter than that. So it's, it's a lot easier for people. It's more like a 70% in terms of the flavor. Um, and then you have to understand that that remaining 17%, you know, a small fraction of that for us is a sweetener. It's primarily other superfoods and tonic herbs that we have in there that you don't even find in most chocolate. So exactly. it's, it's more potent than an 83% cacao bar, but better tasting than an 83% cacao bar. <laughs> I completely concur. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> and you know what you also just said before about um, cacao being a vasodilator. So whatever comes with it, gets driven deeper in your system, right. that alone should make you aim at either not eating chocolate or spending money on chocolate that actually is good quality and that doesn't have GMOs and all kinds of nasty other things in there because it's going to wreak havoc on your system. Yeah, coffee, same thing with coffee too, also a vasodilator. Yes. Yep. So when you're going to Starbucks, every other kind of crazy stuff they put in that mixed drink of yours there is being driven in with extra power. Yes. Um, now, to, to circle back around to something you asked about a little bit ago, the, the variety of yes. the cacao mm-hmm. is a big deal because there are many different varieties of cacao. People think chocolate is chocolate is chocolate, but it's not. This may be more familiar to you in the form of tomatoes. You go to the store, you got Roma tomatoes, you got beefsteak tomatoes, you got little cherry tomatoes. Then the real best ones are the heirloom tomatoes. Yeah. These are mm-hmm. the ones that have not been hybridized for whatever commercial or, or culinary purposes. They're the super colorful ones that are just like beautiful and so rich in their flavor. And you know, there's some more magic going on with those. With chocolate, it's kind of like that. So the original heirloom variety of cacao is a kind called Ariba Nacional. Mm-hmm. And this is, it's the, it's the OG cacao. And you look at things that have been done as hybrids, you, you see varieties like Forestero and Trinitario. These have primarily been hybridized to grow better in Africa mm. because Europeans, of course, came over, discovered chocolate, got pretty excited about it and said, okay, we got to grow this closer to home because it's not so economically viable to bring it on boats to Europe. Why don't we just grow it in Africa where there's a relatively comparable climate, but it's a little bit different. So we're going to have to you know, hybridize these beans to thrive there a little bit more. But these are not as good tasting. They're easier to grow, grow closer to Europe, so so it's cheaper. But the the taste is not 
on par. There's a principle in, in Taoist herbalism called D-Dao. And this is mm. saying that you want to grow an herb in the region in which it has evolved from originally because it evolved to thrive and be the most potent mm -hmm. in that environment. Same goes with cacao. You really want to go for something coming out of ideally Central or South American jungle environment. Um, and that connects to the other kind of hybrid that we deal with. This was one that was developed in the 70s called CCN51. Now, the heirloom trees are, are susceptible to a kind of virus or sorry, a kind of uh, uh, mold called witch's broom. It's a, it's a fungal issue that they can encounter. And these CCN51 hybrids were created to be resistant to this, which is broom, which is fine. I, I understand that. You don't want to you know, come out one day and see your whole cacao crop is dead. It's really, really horrible as a farmer, but this has got problems. It, it, it's created also to be highly productive in that it produces four times the yield of Ribenacional. Okay. Also good for the farmers in a sense. However, this is like a six foot tall tree rather than like something that's like 20 or 30 feet tall. Um, it grows in, it's also hybridized to grow in an open field. Um, that is in, in like totally monocropped, whereas the Reuben Nacional will only grow in an intact rainforest environment. Um, so this is actually a Reuben Nacional beans are incentivizing the local people to be strong environmental stewards of this precious mm -hmm. habitat. Uh, so it's so magical there on all levels. And the kind we use are especially cool because they grow in volcanic soil. You can only get as many minerals into a food as are available in the soil, you know, soils can be okay. Soils can be great. Soils can be not so great. But when you have volcanic soil, that's really cool because ancient minerals are being brought up from deep within the earth for mm -hmm. like the ultimate mineral rich soil. You know, the other problem with the, the CCN 51 is the flavor it's um, amongst chocolate experts. It said uh, widely to taste like acidic dirt, uh, which is not what you want from a chocolate experience. So they have to, you know, heavily process it, put in lots of sugar mm. to kind of, you know, cover this whole thing. That's why we also, we go for the heirloom because the flavor is so special and the aroma, like you just open up one of our bars of chocolate and, and you take a sniff and you know, this is going to be something special. Oh, and sometimes, you know, I, I open up one of your uh, beautiful little boxes that you have around the bars and I, I leave it open. I wander about and do so. I come back into the room an hour later, the whole room oh, smells yeah. like cacao. It's just beautiful. imagine how it is. Uh, I'm going into our factory tomorrow morning. Oh. Imagine how it is in the factory where it's all being made. You just like are, uh, you're being hit with with it from all sides. It's, oh, beautiful. it's unbelievable. Beautiful. Are there any synergistic effects just from inhaling it? Well, it's definitely like, okay, there's no studies on this. This is just anecdotal. Um, but certainly you're reducing stress. I mean, mm -hmm. who doesn't feel a little bit better just after smelling chocolate, right? So there's, there's something going on <laughs> <Yeah>. there for sure. <laughs> Superhumanize. You know, I really would love to talk about how Ana Blanca and you got together, but I think if you do me the honors, I would love in the near future to have both you and Ana Blanca on the show, not just to talk about relationships and sexual health and hormone health and how to actually also as a couple to build a company. Mm -hmm. um, so I would love, love, love to leave that for another time if, sure. if you agree to come again. Absolutely. It would be my pleasure. But one thing I really do want to ask you today um, before we button up, uh, since you have to get up so early and make more of that amazing <laughs> chocolate, is I like to ask every one of my guests, which are the most profound practices in their lives that have led to them leveling up, optimizing their human experience? Mm. It can be physical, mental, spiritual. Well, I'm going to go back and start with my childhood real quick, because mm -hmm. um, 
I had the good fortune to grow up in a, a household that every Thursday night, my parents turned into a meditation center. Mm-hmm. Um, they were devotees of Guru Mai Chifalasananda, who is the, the guru that the lady goes to see in India in the book, Eat, Pray, Love. So every Thursday night, there was like 40 or 50 people coming over for spiritual talks and chanting Sanskrit mantras and uh, meditation altogether. And so to grow up in that environment where meditation was just like a normal everyday thing and mantras were like an everyday thing, put me on a, you know, a start to life that I'll never be able to repay my parents for. It's so powerful. So that is, you know, is, is the childhood piece. And then another would be neurofeedback doing mm-hmm. that uh, in the past couple of years has been very powerful as we go through different stresses and traumas and all kinds of things over the course of our lives. Uh, we change our brainwave patterns and our way that our brainwaves function to be not necessarily very functional mm-hmm. and neurofeedback can actually go in and you, you're hooked up to two electrodes on your head and it's measuring your brainwaves and it's actually helping you to train you back into a more balanced brain state. And then you can go into more advanced versions of it that actually help to address early traumas and stuff. But this is so powerful for optimizing brain function, modulating stress response. And I would say if you've got challenges that you've tried to deal with, you know, in other ways, and you just haven't been able to get there. Neurofeedback is a little bit expensive, but you know, if you can save up and, and do 10 or 20 sessions, it can be absolutely Mm life-changing. Yeah. It's very powerful. Yeah. So I, I would say, uh, that would be the other big piece. And of course, being exposed to all of these herbs and, and, and having the good fortune to find my way into this world of, of health and peak performance and longevity and herbalism. It's, you know, you could easily have taken some different turns in my life that would have gone off in a different direction, but I ended up here and I'm, I'm very grateful for that. And I'm very, very grateful to have you as a friend in our life, as a friend in our life. I'm very grateful that there are people like you in this world who truly embody the three treasures and shine their light and warmth on all the rest of us so we can help rise up too. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sage, and thank you for being here. It was really so much fun and a pleasure. And I could go on talking for hours, but I'll just get you back another time. (laughs) I can't wait for the next time. (laughs) Me too. Thank you so much. Thank you. Superhumanize. Accelerated evolution. Evolution.